Good morning, church family, and welcome to our church at home again. Um, a Merry Christmas to you if you are watching this on Christmas morning. It is unfortunate that we could not be together in person, but I'm sure we are together in spirit. I want to take the opportunity to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Um, and uh, we praise the Lord uh, for this day that you can celebrate His coming into the world. My prayer is that we will see you again at the beginning of next year. Now the passage for today comes from the book of John chapter 7 verses 25 to 40. I'm going to read it for us and pray and then we'll look at uh, three brief points together as we celebrate Christmas. So John chapter 7 verses 25 all the way to verse 44 and it reads at that point some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask isn't this the man they are trying to kill here he is speaking publicly they are not saying a word to him have the authorities really concluded he is the Messiah but you know where this man is from when the Messiah comes, no one will know where he comes from. Then Jesus, still teaching at the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am coming from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him. Because I am from him and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Because his hour had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, he will perform more signs than this man. The Pharisees heard the crowd, the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you only for a short time. Then I am going to the one who sent me. You look for me, but you will not find me. When I, where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that you cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him 
were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Here is the word of our Lord. Let us pray together and ask God for help as we look into his word. Heavenly Father, I pray that you are with us in the different places in where we are listening or watching this. I pray that you are with us on this Christmas morning. I pray that you are with us as we uh, celebrate your coming into the world with family and friends. I pray that we are reminded this morning of why you came into the world. And that we will not be found among those who are ignorant of why you came into the world. I pray that you'll use especially those of us who are trusting and believing in you to shed the light of the gospel to your people. Be with us, Lord, now, even as we meet in spirit. Meet us with your spirit, Lord, that we may be devoted to you and in all that we do, we may be pleasing to you. Be glorified now, our Lord, as you look into your word and teach us from it and transform us and make us more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and we ask all of these things. Amen. The world is crazy about Christmas. It is crazy about some of the Christian traditions as well that associate the Christmas message. It is crazy about this baby who came into the world and was born in a manger. I'm sure we've seen them on all the different Christmas movies. The decorations, perhaps, in your family of a baby sitting in a manger, lying there, innocent, lovable, undivisive, I might say, cute. The baby in a manger appears to be acceptable in this world. But do we really accept who he is, who that baby is? Do we accept him as Lord and Savior? What we are seeing, especially in the movies, is the acceptance of the Christian tradition and Jesus as just a baby, but not an acceptance of Christ himself. Christ who comes to turn father against mother. Christ who has come into the world to turn parent against child. Christ who has come into the world and says, All of you, unless you believe in me, you will perish. Christ who comes into the world and says, Everything belongs to me. Christ who comes into the world and says the words that we see in verse 37. 
Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, if the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The world has not accepted that Christ. They love the baby on the manger. They love the cute story. But the world has not accepted that anyone who would have life needs to come to this Jesus who died at the cross. As we celebrate Christmas this morning in, in different places, my prayer is that we would be unlike the world and that we would not miss this. Because the world did. And that the people that we are looking at this morning, the, the, the religious rulers, the crowd, they missed it. I want to point us to three things this morning. The first one is the authority of Jesus. The second one is the adequacy of Jesus. And the third one is the ignorance about who Jesus is. As we, as we think about Christmas this morning, as perhaps as we, as we are looking at this passage on Christmas, on Christmas morning in our different places, I want us not to misunderstand the authority of Jesus. I want us not to uh, misunderstand the authority of the one whom we sing about, who lies in a manger. Let's look together at verse 25. Verses 25 and 26. At that point, some of the people in Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man... They are trying to kill. Here he is speaking publicly. And they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? As we get to verse 25, we need to be reminded that right at the beginning of chapter 7 of the book of John, is that the, the, uh, uh, the, author the authorities really wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him dead so much that Jesus would not go to the Holy Week or the week of the, uh, of the feast uh, ending with the Passover. would not go there because he didn't want to be a spectacle and he didn't want to die before the intended time. So when he gets to, when he gets to verse 25, we see that he had snuck in, he had come in in verse 14 we saw last week much later on and he began to teach at the temple and the people were amazed at his teaching and they were asking themselves where does this person get this wisdom and he, and he told them as we saw last week in verses 14 to 24 that the, his wisdom comes from the one who sent him into the world and in verse 25, the crowd, the, the crowd are aware that the, uh, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the religious rulers in Israel want Jesus dead. And they are wondering why, why they are allowing him to speak publicly. Do they believe that he is the Messiah? Do they acknowledge his authority in the world? But what we see in verse 25 is that they want to kill him 
they still want to kill him. And they are actually going to go through with the plan to have him killed. We will see in verse 32 that the Pharisees, they had the crowd whispering such things. They sent the temple guards to have Jesus arrested so that their plan could be executed. No, no pun intended thing. What we are seeing is that they do not acknowledge the authority of Christ. They do not acknowledge that uh, he is who he says he is. And what offends them the most, uh, the main reason why they want Jesus dead, as we have seen in chapter 5, is because of his claims. Turn with me to um, John chapter 5. In 16, Jesus said, My father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. For this reason, they try all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So one of the reasons why the teachers of the law wanted Jesus dead is because they questioned his authority. What authority do you have? to be working on the Sabbath, to be making yourself equal with God, to be making yourself equal to the one who's sustaining the world on, even on the Sabbath. So in a way, they, they were questioning him for calling himself God. But Jesus is God. He comes from the Father. We are told right at the beginning that he was with there when the world was created. But the world that he created did not acknowledge him. They saw him as merely a miracle worker. Or as they do in our days, they see him merely as a baby. And the second thing that I wanted us to see from this passage is that, yes, they may not acknowledge the authority of Christ, but what they also do not do is that they do not acknowledge that what he came to do was enough. In our days, it has to do with the death of Christ at the cross, whether that is enough to gain life to the full, whether that is enough for us to have our sins forgiven, whether that is something that is enough for us to live for. The, back then, in Israel, they held that even the miracles that Christ performed were not enough to actually to, 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 to verify that he is, in fact, the Messiah who was promised. Look with me in uh, verse 20. Um, Five again. Verse 25, they talk about the fact that he's, uh, uh, at some point some of the people in Jerusalem began to ask him, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? They're calling him just a man. And in the end there of verse 27, they ask themselves, have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? 
This is because some of them did not really believe that he was. They acknowledged that he had, uh, he had gifts, that he could perform some of his miracles. But to some of them, that was not enough to say that he is now the promised one. He is the Messiah. So, in verse 31, they said, some said, when the Messiah comes, he will perform more signs than this man. At this point, Jesus had performed at least three miracles. The first one in chapter 2, when he turned water into wine. To them, that was not enough. The second one in chapter 5, when he made a man who could not walk, right in Jerusalem, to pick up his mat and walk. And then afterwards told him that his sins were, were, were forgiven, that he should go and sin no more. To them, that was not enough. In chapter 6, when he fed 5,000 from five uh, fishes and two loaves, uh, and for, for, from, uh, from two fishes and five loaves, to them, that was not enough. If they could witness all of that and still think that what Jesus did was not enough to, for him to be seen as the promised Messiah, how much more this world, which has not seen those miracles, this world seeks wonders and signs, Paul said. But we preach Christ crucified. To them, the Messiah who came to, uh, to forgive sins, to provide for his people, the one who came to bring back his bride to himself, was not enough. We often think that if people just see certain things, if they, if they see miracles, if I take a person to this church, then they will believe. That if so-and-so speaks to him, that'll be enough. But what you see with the Israelites, even after all that they had seen, to some, that was not enough. That Christ himself was not adequate to be the Messiah that they were waiting for. In our days, we look back at the ultimate miracle. Christ dying at the cross and rising again on the third day. But some look at that. They have no evidence to dismiss that it wasn't, it, 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 he didn't rise from the dead. Some may even say, oh, I believe that. That is true. But that is not enough for them to give their lives over to Christ. To trust in him. To believe in him as Lord and Savior. Because when you don't acknowledge his authority, it's easy to even not acknowledge his work. That his work becomes insufficient proof for you to, uh, to trust in him, to believe in him. Which means that something else has to happen within us. We will see a lot more of that next week.
that something deep within us has to happen. There needs to be a new heart. There needs to be that heart. Our hearts need to be removed. You need to be given a new heart so that you may see these things and acknowledge the authority of Christ and see his work as enough. The last thing that I want us to see this morning is the fact that, yes, some don't acknowledge his authority. Yes, some don't think his work is sufficient. But others continue to live in ignorance of his work. I'm going to look at, you're going to look at the last um, section in that verse in chapter 7. In verse 41 it says, Still others, others said, He is the Messiah. And still others said, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Doesn't the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? So on the one hand, you have others who are responding to the work on the authority of Christ and believing him, that he is the Messiah. You have the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, who are saying he is a charlatan, he needs to be killed. And then you have others who are saying, no, this can't be him. Because we know our scriptures and they say that the Messiah needs to be born in Bethlehem and he needs to be a descendant of David. But what we see is that this view comes from ignorance. It comes from ignorance about who Christ is and where he was born. In chapter 1 of uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew labors very hard to show that this Christ is a descendant of David. Right at the beginning of the book of Matthew, it says that this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. And then he, became, he begins to list the genealogy of Christ beginning with Abraham all the way to Christ to demonstrate that he is, he does come and he is a descendant of David. Then in chapter 2, right at the beginning, we are told as well that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the time of the King uh, Herod, he had to flee this place because King Herod wanted the, uh, the kids dead. Because he, he saw the signs and, 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 uh, and really didn't want his authority to be questioned by the birth of this new king. So when the Israelites say, doesn't the Messiah, shouldn't the Messiah come from Bethlehem? Shouldn't he be born in Bethlehem, be a descendant of David? They are speaking out of ignorance. They are speaking out of ignorance about who Christ is. He was born in Bethlehem. He is the promised one, the descendant of David. But what we'll see later on, that is not, it's not just about this ignorance is that unbelief shows itself in these different ways, in not acknowledging the authority of Christ, 
in thinking that his work is not enough, in also being ignorant about who he is, at the root of it is unbelief. And it is the responsibility of the one who inquires to ask, to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one? What we see with the crowd is that they are coming to their own conclusions about who Christ is. They are finding any and every reason not to have faith in him. They're not asking him, where are you from, Jesus? Where were you born? Are you the one who was to come or should we expect another? They're not doing that like John the Baptist did. But instead, they're finding any and every reason not to believe. They are okay with the superficialness of Christ. Seeing him as a great teacher who is demonstrating wisdom without being taught. They don't want to be confronted with their own sin. Christ had told them in verse 37 that uh, everyone who is thirsty, let, let them come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. They will receive the Holy Spirit. Anyone who really, who is asking, who is concerned, anyone who is concerned about their own sin, anyone who wants life, should come to me, Christ has told them. But what we're seeing with these people, they're finding any and every reason not to come. He has no authority to be calling himself the Messiah. What he did, what, what, what he did is not enough. He's not even from Bethlehem. Excuses, excuses, excuses. Not to trust and believe in him. My prayer this morning is that we would not be among the ignorant, among those who do not acknowledge the authority of Christ, who do not see his work as sufficient for our salvation. My prayer is that on this Christmas morning, that we would see Christ for who he is and put our faith in him. And that you and I, would see that he has the authority to forgive sins as the one who, uh, who is God himself, who came into the world and lived among us and did not sin and died the death we should have died so that he can turn to God and say, Lord, forgive them, for I paid for their sins. My prayer is that we would get that. That we would see that his death is sufficient. That the best miracle of all, his coming into the world and dying at the cross for us, is sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins. There are the times when we are tempted not to believe in it, or when, we, when the message of the cross seems simple, that would run to it and say, your death is sufficient, Lord. When the world says, no, turn to yourself, turn to this solution and that solution for life, that would find the work of Christ sufficient 
for our salvation. And lastly, I pray that we will not live in ignorance of all Christ is. That as this new year ends, as this year ends and the new year starts, that we will devote ourselves to knowing Christ and growing in him. That you will not find among those who are ignorant of, of his love and what he came to do in the world. That we would uh, fortify ourselves all the more that you may face the difficulties that come with the new year with boldness. My, that is my prayer for you. Let us pray together and ask God for help. Heavenly Father, your life and death are sufficient for us. Your life lived perfectly before God. Your death, which has died for those who would put their faith in you, may those be sufficient for us, Lord, to cast ourselves to you and say, you are enough. As the year comes to an end, as perhaps some of us evaluate what we did this year and feel a sense of inadequacies, a sense of failure perhaps with others, that you would see that you are enough. I pray that in the next day that we would desire you more, that we would seek to grow in you more. For you have the authority, Lord, in heaven and on earth, to be Lord over our lives. We pray and ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.